Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. All right, listeners, welcome back to Octavia's Parables. This is Adrian Marie Brown. This is Toshi Regan. And we are so excited to be hosting this show. <laughs> and we are almost <laughs> at the end, Toshi. My goodness. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't even deal with this. Like time oh, flies yeah. when you're studying apocalypse. <laughs> so um, a couple of announcements at the top of this episode. Um, one is there is this beautiful space that I want to tell you all about called the Acorn Center for Freedom. Acorn Center yes. for Freedom. Our friend Emmanuel Brown is at the helm and has secured land um, that is dedicated to pleasure, dedicated to sovereignty, dedicated to freedom. Um, Obviously, it's called Acorn. Sounds like a place for all of us to do some healing. And they're in the middle of an end-of-the-year push for support. So if you want to support... um, an acorn vision coming to life. You can go to acorn center for freedom. Um, the four is the number four. So acorn center, number four, freedom.com slash give and be a part of seeding that, that community. And yeah, I want to shout out some more Uh, follow on um, Instagram because it's like, it's literal life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's life over there. The the joy is overflowing and the medicine is overflowing. And they are at Black Revolution 215, yeah. Emmanuel H. Brown yes. on Instagram. Yes. Check it out. Check them out. You will not regret it. Um, and then for Chapter 24, um, Tarot. I want to tell you all about the Tarot people for this chapter. So from the Octavia Butler Tarot team, which is... Working on this deck that we'll be releasing um, hopefully on Octavia's birthday next year, June 21, 2021. That's the goal. So the two of the artists on the team that I want to unveil today, one is Damon Davis, who is an incredible multidisciplinary artist who Ooh. has given us film, given us sculpture, given us uh, visual pieces Everything I've seen that Damon has ever done makes me kind of gasp and recoil and then lean in. (laughs) Like, that's the kind of art that he makes. And he also did the film Whose Streets. He is, you know, accountable to movement and accountable to his creativity. And I'm very excited to see what he brings to this deck. And then we, um, I feel like particularly geeked about this. We got Paul Lewin. So many, many of you um, who love Octavia's work will know that Paul did a set of the covers um, for the parables and has done just stunning work that looks like this is the Afro future. (laughs) This is what it will actually look like. And it just felt to me like we can't possibly have the deck without Paul's art involved in it. So, um, you know, so we have Soraya, we have John Jennings, we have Damon Davis, we have Paul Lewin, Krista Franklin, Crystal Clarity. Those are all of the artists. And we have Chelsea, Alta, and myself as the oracles. Um, And we are working hard at this deck, y'all. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm so hyped for this. <laughs> I'm super hyped myself. <laughs> and it's really one of the most enjoyable things I've ever worked on. Like it really has its unique gifts and unique challenges. Working with Octavia's words and mm-hmm. letting those be a portal um, into the meaning of the cards. So any announcements from you? You know, I'm just going to uh, keep bigging up music, uh, new music coming through. Yes. Um, Beautiful World is my next release. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, post-election show is still up at mm-hmm. the uh, Joe's Pub uh, channel. And uh, this collaboration with uh, Alexis Pauline Gums yes. um, on music from uh, her Marine Mammal Meditations. Mm. Uh, and then it's still like... I'd be reading that book every day. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. It works as yeah. it was meant to, huh? <laughs> yeah. And and I'm really looking forward because your book is next. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good. Can they're very different. <laughs> they're really different. <laughs> but they're, but they, you know, I think they're very different and they also root down into the same like system of like, how do we, how do we love each other and learn from nature how to do that? Yeah. So yes, I have a new book out. We will not cancel us. And Other Dreams of Transformative Justice. And it is a small book that is really examining how do we in movement engage our abolitionist selves when um, traversing the waters of call out culture and cancel culture. And um, what does it look like to use those strategies well? And what is it? What does it call on us to develop as other tools in our toolbox for getting mm-hmm. more of us to the future? So yeah, I feel I feel like people are really receiving it well, really diving into it and letting it shape them and work with them in community. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about the whole series. It just keeps being like, oh, yeah, I want to publish <laughs> and publish and publish. So the harvest is rich. Yeah, there's so many good brains. There's so many good brains yeah. out there. So yeah. here we are. We made it to chapter 24, the penultimate chapter of Ooh. this book. And will you drop us into the earth seed? Yes, I will. Respect God. Pray working. Yes. Pray learning. Planning. Doing. Pray creating. Teaching. Reaching. Pray working. Pray to focus your thoughts. Steal your fears. Strengthen your purpose. Respect God. Shape God. Pray working. Oh. See the books of the living Friday, September 17th, 2027. I have to tell you, I think this might be my favorite verse. I think this yeah. might be, and it's hard for me to ever pick, but I actually wrote a song of this one that's I mm. might I might share with Kat and see how it sounds if it, if it goes in. Because it's it's really the one that I come back to the most often as this is the spiritual practice of our seed. Like Mm -hmm. everything is pointing you towards here's how to, here's how to look at the world. Here's how to understand leadership. Here's how to, to see what belief can do. But this one Mm -hmm. puts us into such action, you know, pray working, pray Mm -hmm. working. You know, I Mm -hmm. imagine always like, oh, I've got to get my hands in the soil for any of my divine intention to matter. Yes. Yeah. Pray to focus your thoughts, steal your fears. 
Strengthen your purpose. Strengthen your purpose. Strengthen your purpose. Strengthen your purpose. Respect God. Shape God. Pray working. Pray working. What's happening in this chapter? Everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, this is a big doozy chapter. This is like is everything is happening. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's beautifully the hardship is beautifully reflected on. I think that's the the first thing is is Lauren is um. It starts Sam by saying we read some verses and talked about Earthseed for a while this morning. It was a calming thing to do, almost like church. We needed something calming and reassuring. Even the new people joined in, asking questions, thinking aloud, applying the verses to their experiences. And, um, you know, Adrian, I feel like we could look at this chapter by kind of examining that energy, but there's yeah. just a huge fight. Yes. There's a big, big fight. Yeah. Then there's what happens after the fight yes and then there is the fire and then there's what happens after the fire exactly (laughs) this is a chapter that works as a three-act play in and of itself (laughs) yes you could do this this chapter by itself yeah i agree yeah so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna outline those those things but let's just dive in walk us through it yeah so what you what you're experiencing here is you know Lauren reflecting back, and um, with such care, and mm-hmm. I think that's important to note that this could have been written in any kind of way, and it's written with so much care, yeah. and and they had a huge fight. They they basically are camped out, and um, Emery is taking um, the two girls to use the bathroom. And then you hear screams and, you know, of the little girls and immediately the group goes into action. And it's is a really important, important thing to look at because everything is so precious. Everything is. So it's precious that these children are terrified. It's precious that they have a camp with things and they're organized. So... Lauren tells Zara and Harry they have to stay with the stuff, yep. which they are, they are not happy about nope. like at all. And she sends herself um, as a sharer into battle. Exactly. Uh, and this becomes a really big battle. This is a, this is a, a mess. There's one giant ball headed man who Emery is fighting. Doe has escaped, but this man has picked up um, little Tori and is yeah. holding her. And everybody and they see six or seven other ball-headed people heading towards them. Yeah. So it is it it's it's about to be a war. And Lauren kind of finds a shot. Yeah. And when she finds her shot, she notes that Emery is the issue because Emery is so fast and is attacking this man. She's not she's not stopping in one place to attack him. She's yes. moving around this man's body. Yeah. She's scratching his face. She's doing everything. Yes. And you know, he kind of hits her and she gets right back up. Yeah. And like 
you know, just attacks him viciously um, to save her daughter. Uh, yeah. Eventually, Lauren gets a shot off and then she's she's done while this man is dying. Yes. And in the meantime, like everything is happening. These other people come in and each person in the tribe is just having uh, having a time. Yeah. Um, and battling these people. And I don't know how you feel about this. I really am mm-hmm. so interested in in their skills yes. as warriors because yes. they, you know, they didn't go to, to warrior camp. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. they had to, they all had to create like systems of, you know, um, how to protect themselves from yeah. violent attacks um, with weapons. And they pra- it's clear that some of them really practiced and took that to heart. And some yes. of them maybe have other skills. There's one grown person that cannot deal with this situation and that's Grayson. Yes. You know, Grayson basically is, is having a whole struggle with this and inside of this situation, once they, they get Tor, uh, Tori away from this man, they hand um, her off to Jill Yeah. and, and Jill, Jill gets shot in the yes. process of escaping. Yeah. With Tori. Grayson has has left with Doe. He just yeah. takes off. Took off. Mm-hmm. He can't he couldn't handle it. And um I just want to stay in the zone of of kind of like this is all happening simultaneously. Yes. So they don't they, you know, it's chaos. Several people don't know what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. People realize, oh, Jill got shot. Mm-hmm. People realize, oh, Grayson, Grayson left. And yes. Lauren has killed more than one person or watched somebody be killed. So yeah. she's basically in a state of of kind of waking and constantly dying. Exactly. And not knowing and coming out and not knowing what's going on. Mm. Um, and so eventually this uh, our group wins yeah. the battle. But um, At what they cost? lose. Yeah, they lose Jill, and it's a the I you know I remember when I first read this and it just it hurts so bad and I think it's so interesting where you're traveling on a journey with people who are just constantly in the face of death and constantly see death they constantly are protecting themselves from it and still the way Octavia writes it she really opens your heart to the family of people that have gathered. In, in like, you know, with the, it's like the thinnest little line that connects them. Yes. Which is like, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> I'll do, I'll abide by the rules. And they, and they become deep. That. They fight for each other. Like, you know, they really stand and fight for each other. And it's, it's interesting. Only one person leaves. And that one person who leaves is the person that we later find out is is in a state of great trauma. Yes. Oh, huge. Yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah. And we learn more. <laughs> so I think that yes. that's the thing is like Lauren waking up. You know, I always think of this and this is like when she comes to after they fled and after everything's gone, it's like she's waking up to a different group in a way. Right. She's like, okay, we've lost yeah. Jill. And there's also some something else is up, <laughs> you know, yeah. something else is up here. Um, that trio is so badass, Zara, yes. um, Harry, and Lauren. And that keeps being the triangle in the middle of everything. 
It's like she knew she could just say to them, "You're you stay here." Yeah. Um. She she listens to them. Yeah. You know she lets them tell her what to do. Oh yes. Like you know she just if they're saying it, then it's okay. Exactly. You know? And I love that they're the ones who notice that they're like, there's something up with Grayson and Emery and Tori. Like, yeah, as people who've been here watching you <laughs> and know you, <laughs> we can see. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones who tell her about herself. Exactly. In, in a way that she can't ever know. She she couldn't, she would never discover it. Yeah. They're the ones who give her a, a, a version of herself that she can't see. Yes. And, um... You know, that's very brave to put in a in a book around your lead characters. Lots of times people don't do that. Yeah. So she really she realizes it in that moment and she has to Grayson comes back and now they're in the post fight reality. They make some really strong strategic decisions. They 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 bury Jill, but they are like very, very specific about how. Uh-huh. They want to make sure that she's not discovered by animals. They want to make sure they're not. She's not discovered by cannibals. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like so. It's so deep. It's mm-hmm. just so hard, and it's just so deep. And they also have like this count of their weapons that I think is really interesting. They look at the the people that died, and they go and they strip the bodies, and they they're like, "This is what we gained. We got another gun. We got this. We got that." Yeah. So that whole thing is that whole practice is going on while this is happening. They also have to make decisions. And part of this decision making is is where we start to see Grayson and his experience really show up. Yes, because Lauren doesn't want to go anywhere like Mm -hmm. everybody is They're They're in a vulnerable position, but everybody's wiped out. Yeah. Like they lost somebody for the first time and, and she doesn't want to go anywhere. And she Lauren got shot. And it's not um, not a, not a, a deep wound, but you still got shot. Exactly. And so she is. She just is like, no, let's stay here. And um, Grayson is like, we have to leave. Yeah. Because before these people um, paint their faces and come down the hill. Yeah. And he's the one that identifies that these are paints. That's right. And which nobody else did. They just were like, they're ball headed people. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I oh wanna... no, no, no. That's what they're gonna is. they're gonna they're gonna get high and do their ceremony and paint themselves and then they're gonna come down here with fire. Exactly. And and so they do, they get like they we get gotta going. go now. Yeah, yeah, now we have to go now. So they get going and they and they move along. And um yeah, I wrote so many notes about this. Like one just to even hear that their paints near them and that they were attacked by them especially by that um, community yeah. that comes out of Robledo. And I think it's also interesting to just really see these fragments of Emory and Tori survival, that yes. they are just so strong and resilient and ferocious. Yeah. They're ferocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they get, they get to where they're going, but as they're getting to where they're going, the fire oh, starts right. to, well, and you know, before we go to the fire, I also want to say that the dynamics between Grayson and Lauren are really um, taut and tense. And, yeah. you know, they're throwing insults back and forth because she's just like, so you, <laughs> you know, he's like, how many times did you die from hyper empathy? And she's like three or four times. Um, but you look good, you know, because yeah. it's like, you know, Grayson is a sharer. 
and Emery's yeah. a share and Tori's a share, but because he ran off, he didn't defend anyone. Lauren's insulting him, you know, <laughs> she's just yeah. like, what's wrong yeah, with she's you? She's giving him, yeah, she's you know? giving him the business. Exactly. He's, he's a little bit mansplainy yeah. and, <laughs> and you bit. know, <laughs> he's, he's a little bit mansplainy and he's also like a little bit of an asshole because yeah. of his, his, the way his trauma shows up exactly. and uh, they do, they really get into it. And, yep. um, and she also is is like when it's time to say who's on watch. Yes. Um. She she says I'll do it, and people are like no, and she's like I can't sleep. She's still recuperating from exactly. her wound, and Grayson volunteers because he can't sleep because yeah. he's feeling her wound. So he's like, we might as well take take advantage of our gifts, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but she's um, like, but you ass can't shoot. <laughs> so that's not really helpful to me. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, they really are just like kind of one-upping each other, yeah. needling at each other. Because um, he's trying to get a gun and he don't know what he's doing. That's, exactly. That's she's like, that's not going to happen in my house. But I love, know. too, that even inside of all that, that bickering energy, he's also asking her questions, trying to mm-hmm. understand what's happening. And she's also laying out for him, like, here's what we know about yeah. how we function. You know, we don't eat humans. We don't kill anyone unless we're threatened. We help he each other. We try the, not to steal from each other, you know. He gets the instructions. Yeah. And he also um is not is not here for Harry. He can't yeah. deal with white men and he's yeah. like, who's that? Where did you get that white man? Like, <laughs> like where did you get that one? <laughs> you know. I mean, I think it's so interesting because you know, I'm still, I I mean, I have so many white people in my family and my uh-huh. friends and everything. But if I'm someplace and I'm, and it's an unfamiliar like, <laughs> white person. Yep. I am, I am like, who is that? Who's that? <laughs> like, and where did you that? get that one? And it, yeah. Where, where did they come <laughs> from and why are they here? And I just yeah. need a minute with that. Like, and yep. then I t- take a deep breath and recover. But that's a that's a real thing, and it's also when the the occupier of the White House's mm. white supremacist um, uprising, yes, where he was urging um, people to you know really be violent and take up arms and uh, and mm-hmm. show their white supremacist selves. I I was in uh, St. Paul, and I was in the elevator, and. This giant white man got in the elevator. I, I'm not even, yeah. I'm very unafraid of, of most people. I just, yeah. like, I'm just going to be like, you my cousin. Yeah. And we don't got to, you know, but you my distant cousin. We ain't got to talk. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I kind of treat Third strangers. Third cousin, like, twice removed. Yeah. Yeah, we're cousins. And so we're, we're relatives on some level. And mm-hmm. so I'm just going to treat you like somebody I don't know, but we're cousins. Yeah. But this man got in the elevator and it's a big old elevator and he stood right next to me. And I, what I want to tell you, hmm. I was like, I'm about to stab him in the side mm. of his stomach. Like I was like so ready with my first move. Yes. I can't even tell you. Yeah, I was so ready of- with my first move. And he could have been anywhere. I, he was at least a foot and a half taller than me. And mm. um, it was, it was just like that feeling of like, I, I really can't deal with giant white men standing close to me mm. and not and not having an energy he had no energy of kindness on him right because i think that like, that's the piece is you start to notice like 
given given how wise it is to be on edge with white folks because of the legacy of harm, right? It's like, it makes sense. There's no, yeah. you know, right? It's not like, oh, I don't see people's humanity. It's like, no, I see all everyone's humanity, but I've also survived, you know, 400 years of y'all not seeing <laughs> ours, so you know. Um, yeah. And I remember that after the dumpster fire got elected, that I, the first time I had to go fly in the airport, I remember how different it felt to be in a space with a bunch of white people and how how my eyes were scanning for kind eyes, you know, any kind of smile um, and any kind of sign, you know, T-shirt, a banner or, you know, like little pins, like anything. And I was like, I'm just looking for signs that you can see my humanity, right. not that I can see yours, because that's never my question. That's never my problem. Right. Um, that's not what I have to survive. I have to survive you not seeing mine. And yeah. it feels so yeah. similar to what they're dealing with here. It's like, okay, so the, you know, how, how can we survive? How do we survive with this group of people and how have you navigated, you know, Grayson's asking that. And then I also love that Lauren and Emery get to have a, a conversation where Lauren's able to ask some questions too, you know, like mm-hmm. if y'all are shapers, you know, do you know if children always inherit this or not? Right. Like, right. um, and Emery says, sometimes, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But one thing that's, it feels important and prescient is they, that Emery says that bosses, the people who are doing the slave ownership, they mm-hmm. actually really like to find sharers. They really mm-hmm. like to find people who have this syndrome. Um, and I'm like, just tuck that away. Cause I think that becomes just an important thing to understand about how this, how this future world is unfolding. Yeah, so many things. I mean, you know, for Octavia has given us uh, so many hints about what our work is. And, you know, sometimes you can be very, very overwhelmed with how many things are. And you're like, what is my work? You know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times you're like, my work is internal and I just need to work on myself and make sure myself is a cool person. (laughs) And but she's giving you some specific things around what what can can become a, a dominant force in exactly. your way? Exactly. Like, like you you might be the most, you know, balanced, realized person, but these people will capture you and put all your gifts in a very specific direction that's harmful to you. That's and um and so what what do we do now to um actually deny that opportunity later? Yeah. And that's I've, good. This is these last two chapters. To me, I feel like, I don't know if this is a question you have, but it's, you know, what do you see in in here that is is like actually a, a task to work on yes. to deny an opportunity later? Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. um, I want to read before we go to the fire, too. I'm going to read what she says. Um, you, Grayson is asking her. um you know, about what they're doing. And she says, uh, we don't kill unless someone threatens us. We don't hunt people. We don't eat human flesh. We fight together against enemies. If one of us is in need, the rest help out. And we don't steal from one another ever. And this is just like what you need to agree to, to be inside of this circle. It's like, 
there's not we love each other. It's, <laughs> not, <laughs> it's not when we wake up in the morning and see each other's faces, we give hugs. No. Like it's not it's it's it is like some very specific, like be who you are, but agree to this. Yes. Um which a get which gives opportunity for the community to grow. I love if that. You can agree. I love that. And so then we find ourselves walking through fire. We find ourselves just, we find, but before we can walk through the fire, we have to navigate and negotiate if we can have some rest because uh-huh. we are so, 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 so tired. I can't we even imagine this tired. level of tired, honestly. We're so tired. They're fighting over like kind of, uh, you know, an hour, you know, exactly. of rest. They're, they're looking at the fire. They're gauging it. They're, they're fighting over it. And I, I should also say this this before we get into that is as they're um, walking, before they're deciding if they're going to have this rest, uh, Lauren goes and walks next to Allie. And Allie and Jill oh, um, yeah. are are so connected. And this is such, it, it's, it's a loss that will never be healed kind of for Allie. And Allie has... has only let this kid that she's she's taken on Justin be near her. Um, she's been taking care of him. She's been she's been she's been doing all of the things she needs mm-hmm. to do to be a part of the group. But that she is just she's just she's just in a world by herself, moving along and so hurt. She's crying yeah. and just kind of you know harming her face as she cries. Like everything is just very bitter and and raw. Yeah. And Lauren decides to try to navigate getting close to her. Um, my mother wrote this beautiful song that's in the opera off of um, these words. I hugged her then. I put my hands on her shoulders and stopped her half blind plotting. When she swung around to face me hostile and hurting, I hugged her. She could have broken free. I was feeling far from strong just then. But after her first angry pulling away, she hung on to me and moaned. I hugged her then I put my hands on her shoulders And stopped her half-blind prodding I hugged her then When she swung around to face me Hostile and hurting I hugged her then She could have broken free But after her first angry pulling away She hung on to me and moaned Ah. I I, I love this so much People grieving, being, being, you know, outside of their circumference but very close and waiting for the time when it's right to just hang there and let them let them kind of fall into you I just think it's beautiful I love that and you know they're having to do things that are so hard you know the idea of having to bury your sister and leave her on the road um yeah never knowing if you'll get back never knowing you know not knowing what will happen there's this line in this chapter, the ordinary, unspeakable things that we now did to live. And I just feel that set, that presence, the weight of that, um, with yeah. each of these choices they're making. 
Yeah, it's it's enormous. And it's so funny because I um in my notes, um, which look crazy for this chapter, yeah, I wrote at the top of the page, We are a harvest of survivors. Yes. Which is another thing she says. And then I wrote at the bottom of the page, the unspeakable things we do to live. It's right. So <laughs> it's right. You you and I are like the same this, page. <laughs> you know. And yeah. There's more. I'm like the sirens feel appropriate to this too. <laughs> Yeah, come through, yes, Brooklyn. I'm like, this is how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this this uh, fire is is um, is hosting them along. It's like they're they can't get they're not going to get away from it. Yeah. And um, and they have to uh, keep moving. And they they have this plan. They're like, we're going to try to get to this area. We're going to try to do this. We're going to try to do that. And they're you know having the conversations and realizing everything. And then it's Emery who is is the one that says, uh, guess what? This 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 fire is coming. And uh-huh. Emery and Lauren says, Emery says it because she was looking for it. She's like, Of course she was looking for it. Like that there are certain people um in your circle that that actually their job is to look for things before they arrive. And when they arrive, they're like, It's here. That's right. Um so she she figures out that it's coming. They're kind of like again having this conversation about like can we can we do this? Can we do this? Can we afford to do this or that? And then as they're having that they they make a plan of how they're going uh-huh. to travel with this fire which they hope won't, you know, won't kill them. But okay, what do we do? So they make really strategic plan. They put yeah, I think they put um Tori in the um the baby stroller and they put mm. the babies on top of her and then they put dough on top of Bancoli's cart and then Grayson's like I'll push it people take turns yeah. they they take their um water they drink water they they put um soak their things around their faces with water mm-hmm. and they they move and move and move and move and move they see every all the wildlife is is sprinting past them like nothing is interested in them all the wildlife is sprinting past them things are falling on them they you know they're getting little burns they're getting everything and they move and move they can't see they move and 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 and they uh survive and they can't believe that they survive yeah. <laughs> I read this and I can't believe they survived. I can't I'm believe like, it either. It's like how it's I mean it just is like perseverance. Yeah. You know, just being like we will not stop, we will not rest. Oh, these bodies. I just want to send yes. like love to these fictional bodies. Yeah. Yeah. They they do it though. And and they help each other and they're generous with each other. And I think this is like another thing to really consider is you can be really grouchy and mean and generous at the same time absolutely absolutely okay my favorite people are <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. you know and this is like an extreme situation I don't want yeah. us to always be in extreme situations but <laughs> generosity can come from the places that you're like okay that's not nobody's going to be loving there but 
you know, the the wideness spectrum of possibilities of where generosity can come from (laughs) is an important lesson I've learned from this book. Hmm. Um, So they come out um, and they find uh, a dead young woman. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like they don't know how she died. They don't know what it's from, but she's dead. And Emery says, I want her clothes. And, (laughs) you know. And so Lauren's like, you know, you know, go, go and strip the body and, and take what you want. This is where that line comes from the Uh unspeakable things that we do. Um, And Allie helps her. Lawrence, Lawrence still recovering and can't really help um, in that way. And Emery gets her first money. Oh, right. Because she has like $1,000 on that body. She gets $1,000 and she, she has never had any money and she gets her first money. And so, of course, she goes and spends it wildly and they're and they're happy for her. And they're like, we're going to have to teach her about like how little a thousand dollars is and um, and how to save money and what to spend money on and and what to buy. But in that moment, they they support her. Yeah. And she gives them all gifts, pears and walnut gifts. She gives them presents. Which I think is so sweet. (laughs) She's just like, I I've received it immediately. I want to give this yeah you know like i want to gift to you yeah Mm -hmm. and they're like no don't give us gifts because you need that money exactly exactly but she's so beautiful in that it's so beautiful in all of it um and out of the hardship so uh the next thing that happens is um they reach ben coley's land finally (laughs) yes yeah Yes, and I I'm using one of my early versions of of um, Parable of the Sower, and I wrote home mm-hmm. right next to this. So Sunday, September twenty six, two thousand twenty seven, they they reach Ben Coley's land, and they are exploring this incredible space, and they're having all kinds of conversations around this. But really, one of the biggest things that happens is that you you start to learn you know about the land you start to learn that his his family was there his sister his brother-in-law um you know you learn that his brother-in-law had had gone um to spend time and he had to work in lots of towns away from his family and you understand it lauren says you understand it better once you see the land Uh that once you're there you realize that's not a place he can just you know, I'm leaving at five. I'll be back home at six. Like it's exactly. not that kind of a, a place. I remember first reading that and just not really comprehending it, but then just really understanding that land matters. Exactly. That, you know, exactly. Land, land matters. And um, as they're moving um, through through the land, they're supposed to see a house and some buildings and some people. Mm-hmm. And when they arrive, they don't see any of that. They see a burned down uh, house, only a chimney remaining, and they see uh, bones and ashes. And that's how that chapter ends. Oh, Lord, Octavia. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's never so, ending. It's never <laughs> ending. And like, and I just, I love her commitment to complexity because it just shows up. It's like every step, every second, every millisecond has the full range of emotion in it. So I have a lot of questions for this chapter Um, and going back, 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 back to the beginning. 
Um, there's so much that happens. You know, this is a gunfight. And we have someone who's like, I don't know how to shoot a gun. And so the first questions I have go together, which are who in your circle knows how to wield a gun? Not even has one necessarily, although that's also good to know. (laughs) It's like who in your circle or community actually has guns and who knows how to wield one? And then if you prefer to move without a gun, how could you imagine yourself surviving this battle? And it feels important to do the full spectrum of both. You know, I'm like, I always want a mixture of like my martial arts skills, (laughs) my hiding skills, my fighting skills. Like, How do you balance those? Mm -hmm. Once they find out that Grayson and Emery and Tori are sharers, you know, one of the things Grayson asks Lauren at one point is just what is it like to be the only sharer in a group of non-sharers? And that idea seems foreign to him. And I think that's so, so interesting. Because um, mm-hmm. Lauren's whole experience has been like being the only one. Right. Um, so the question I have here, what are the benefits of sharers traveling together? Or what are the benefits of people with a shared vulnerability or shared mm. power traveling together? And when I read this, it makes me think of Years ago at the Allied Media Conference, there was a whole Crip community that came together and self-organized to meet their own needs. They were like, we're going to all come to this conference, but we're going to stay together. Um, We're going to like rent space together and take care of each other because we know how to take care of each other. We understand the pace that we need to move at together. Mm -hmm. Like we can balance out the needs and it's always stuck stuck with me, you know, that I'm like, oh, there is something peaceful that happens for me whenever, for instance, when you and I are going anywhere together, it's like, oh, between our arthritis and our knees and our this and our that, <laughs> we just know we're going to move at our own pace. And there's never yeah. any sense of rushing each other or some other thing that should be happening. It's just like, this is how our bodies want to move and this is how we're going to move, you know? So right. just asking yourself or your group that question around the balance of sharers, people with shared vulnerabilities. A next question I have is, what is the group's culture around grief? Mm-hmm. Right? And they're in a situation where they constantly have to be processing their grief while still running. Um, and so what's happening? What are you noticing around grief in this group? And does it feel very different or very similar to how you and your your people's process grief right now. Because I think the first time I read this, I was like, ah, I can't imagine like something happening to someone as close as a sister to me. And then for me Mm -hmm. to just be like, oh, now I'm going to keep walking. And now, um, you know, especially in this pandemic era, it's not unusual to receive the news of a death a day and to continue moving forward with life in various yeah. ways and not to be able to go to be part of the rituals necessarily. Um, and so it's like, yeah, what is the culture? It's not so, is it, you know, for me, it doesn't feel that different from mm-hmm. what we're living mm-hmm. in. It's so interesting that the way that death and, you know, um, guns and weaponry are fictionalized a lot. It's, it's, you know, I, I appreciate that Octavia adds another layer to to it because it's like you know if you look at you know all of these tv shows and movies and stuff like everybody's picking up any gun 
and being able to use it. And she, exactly. She, she's like, and, that's not how it to, works. <laughs> yeah, she, you haven't trained. You don't know what to do with this. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. know how to do it. You just you just have it. And, and you're you a danger, you know, which I think yeah. is so great. It's like, if you really don't know what you're doing, this is a, this is more danger to us than good. Yeah. 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 And the same thing with death is, you know, how many people have seen a movie and somebody's with somebody and their best friend dies right next to them. Yes. And they're just like, you know, oh, my God. And then they get up and you know, yeah. run in the other direction. And, exactly. you know, they get another layer of anger by mm-hmm. which to to, work you with, know, yeah. work with. But it's like not really anything around grief at all. No. And. I love, and I think this comes even more in the next chapter. I just love that it's like such a core part of what it means to be family, be community um, in a period of, of intensive death and danger is mm-hmm. you have to have good rituals for grief or you're not going to make it. Um, right. So next question I have, originally the question was, how do you see masculinity showing up in this chapter? And <laughs> um I might reframe it as how do you see aggression, you know, like an aggressive, um, more alpha male masculinity showing up in in this group between Grayson and Bancole and Lauren. We've got mm-hmm. a triple dick show now. <laughs> That's what it feels like. And I I think it deserves some explanation. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> um, you know, what does this look like and how to navigate it? And how is the rest of the group navigating what's happening between them? So just it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I got called an alpha, alpha female on the street by mm-hmm. a neighbor. I don't know. And my car, <laughs> I don't know if you live in New York, we have alternate side parking oh, yes. and people are allowed to block you in. And I had to go somewhere. Somebody had blocked me in. And so you beep your horn if they don't leave their phone number. You, know, you should leave their phone number in a car so you can just text them to come and move. But I, you beep your horn, and I beep my horn a few times. And this person wasn't coming. This brother on the street was like, I know I know who you are. I seen you on TV. Huh? You, you are alpha female. That's just, right. drive on, you just drive on the sidewalk. Go up the street. That's- <laughs> go up past 745. <laughs> then cut. Cut at the hydrant. You oh, could do wow. that. Or you could drive on the sidewalk back down the Notion Avenue where there's like 20 people waiting for coffee and a bagel and everything. Right. You're like, just I, just I was, back down through them. You were alpha female. You could do anything. I seen you on TV. Like, it's just this wow. whole thing. I also love that quality of New Yorkers to just give each other guidance. And yes, just the, the help. I was like, opinion. wow. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm not going to do that today. but <laughs> Well, but, and I think yeah. it's so powerful. You know, this is my sweetheart is, is a masculinity scholar and is always thinking and pushing me to really deconstruct, right? Is this masculinity? Mm-hmm. Is that masculinity? Like, what do we even mean by it? And I, you know, it is one of those things that doesn't hold up well under a microscope, right? When you right. start trying to look at like, what is masculinity versus femininity? What is this? What is that? And what right. is constructed versus, you know, natural? And it's like, naturally, there are a million characteristics that show up under pressure in any there kind of body, right? Um, and so that's the spirit in which I ask this question. It's like, there is a set of traits um, that that we recognize as masculine traits that show up in any and all bodies and are definitely... Mm-hmm. In this, you know, I feel like Grayson brings something out in Lauren that is um, 
shapes her leadership. It really shapes her leadership in a certain way. And I think it's really worth exploration. Mm -hmm. Just a few more questions here. One, this, this, this question always comes up every time I read about Amory finding that thousand dollars and, you know, it happens earlier at one point, Harry finds some money, but that, you know, my default, I think is like, oh, if we're all traveling together, if someone finds something, it's all of ours. Like we're all needing to take care of each other. But the default in this book is definitely like you found it. That's yours. Mm-hmm. You know, you decide what to do with it. Um, so I, it, it begs the question for me is how do you navigate the line of mine versus ours in conditions like this? Right. Mm, um, I love that question. Yeah. So, you know, is there still a need for something to be a mine? What, you know, it clearly is of benefit, but it's also funny, you know, they watch her spend the money like, oh, <laughs> like, no, you know, what could that have done for the community? Right. So how do you navigate or, the mind versus ours? I think it's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful question, you know, because I'm, I'm definitely a mind person. Me too. I'm like, <laughs> like, that's I'm like everybody because I have, I have, I think it's because I have faith in our hours. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. so well, I'm, I'm like, just, if we all have a little of what we need, you know? Yeah. And I also, I mean, like I just got, you know, it's like winter. We have the first snow on the ground, like real snow that is like staying on the ground right now. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we need like lip lip balm and hand lotion, like within reach all throughout the house. Right. And even though I, I distributed it all over the house, I still have to like let go of the idea that it's all mine. Right. And be like, right, this is for the house. This is for like this is whoever is the sitting there needs to be able to access this stuff. And yeah. I think it's like some older sister raised capitalism hangover stuff. You know, I'm just like, that's mine. And I'm like, chill, mine voice. In this setting, you don't need to assert yourself. You have enough <laughs> things that are yours. And this stuff can be our stuff or our space or whatever. So I love it. Yeah. You know, I think that I do think that in conditions right now, it's like if you are living with people during the pandemic, it's a great practice ground for navigating this question. What needs to be your own and what needs to be ours of the community? And w- how do you orient differently to things when you recognize them as ours? Yeah. Right. Well, also the generosity in this group is that that just because the food belonged to Lauren and Ben Coley didn't mean that um, Emery was going to go hungry. Exactly. You know, exactly. that that's that they were like we shared with her and the other people uh, are keeping track. They see that, you know, they see what each other is doing. So Absolutely. it just seems like the generosity um, prevails. And then. I and like, it, you too. know, the fact that when Emery does have something, she immediately uses it to buy things <laughs> yeah. for everyone. Right. Yeah. Like, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I also think is, you know, even if they did share, uh, even if they were like, we're a communal tribe. Yes. They would never let one person like hold anything. Yeah. Because it's just not safe. It's actually. not. It's you know? not. And I think, you know, it, it's also something that will be curious to see, like how they are on the road. And how they are mm. as they land. So, mm. which, you know, my next question is, how does it feel to land in a possible home? Right? Mm. How does it feel to land in a possible home, which it has none of the things that they were expecting. It doesn't have the structures, you know, because I just imagine that every time when I get to this chapter and I read them walking onto the land and just how you know the feeling of 
landing home and being like, yeah, my house is going to be there with my toilet and my running water and my shower and my kitchen and, you know, and then coming up and just being like, it's bare land and it's unoccupied, but there's no home, Mm. but this is also home. And so just, yeah, how does that feel? And my final question for this chapter, what work do you currently do that is prayer? What work do you currently do that is prayer? So that is chapter 24. And um, we are Octavius Parables, (laughs) hosted by Toshi Regan and Adrian Marie Brown, myself. We are produced by the inimitable cat, Aaron. And the music is always by Toshi. Do you want to tell us about the songs this time? Yeah. Um, music Always See the Stars is written and performed by Toshi Regan. There's a New World Coming uh, is written by Bernice Johnson Regan with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower with lead vocals by Shana Smalls. Today's episode would also feature the song I Hugged Her Then by Bernice Johnson Regan and Toshi Regan, featuring cellist Marika Hughes. Um, this, uh, all of this music is uh, based on the uh, novel Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower. That's right. And I might include, we'll see, I might include Pray Working Chant um, that I create, chant song thing that I created. And our show art is by the glorious Krista Franklin every single time. So thank you for um, joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at Oparables. You can sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.oparables and, um, or slash Oparables. And thank you so much, everyone who has been supporting us all along. It feels like such um, a wind beneath our wings and doing this project, you know, like, we are coming up on the close of this book and already have plans for jumping into the parable of the talents and probably going and going and going until in 20 years, we finally finish all of the work. Um, and it's, it, it really helps us to receive that blessing from y'all and to know that this is resonating with you in a way that you want to invest in. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. There's a new world coming. Every time.